listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, the Stanley Cup final is set. We'll preview the cup final between the Colorado Avalanche and Tampa Bay Lightning while also saying our goodbyes to the New York Rangers. Plus, which hockey teams are the greatest of all time? And where do the Lightning rank on that list? So, Andrew, before you start off today's show, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It was uh, it was a long weekend over here, uh, but uh, we got through it. We're right back to uh, the regular work week. I'm excited for the Stanley Cup final. Um, not much else. Uh, <laughs> I'm on lower quality today because my wife has the camera for a class that she's doing. So you'll just have to deal with it, folks. Yeah, uh, the first thing I noticed about you was the fact that you weren't wearing a hat because you usually do. I didn't even notice the camera quality uh, just because, uh, you know, the hat is more visually distinct part of you, Andrew, instead of your visual quality. But I must say that, you you know, when you have your normal camera, your quality is pristine. So, uh, <laughs> so you know, at least one of us is putting in the effort. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my weekend was good. It was my birthday on Friday, so I had a nice, good birthday weekend. I hung out uh, with my family, had a nice birthday dinner, uh, saw, like, uh, hung out with my friends. Um, just a very low-key, um, you know, birthday weekend. Um, but yes, I also am excited about hockey. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about because uh, this is it, folks. We are in We're in the end game, uh, as it were. Uh, the Stanley Cup final is here. But first, instead of previewing the Stanley Cup final, we are going to turn the clocks back to, I believe, Saturday night, right? Um, in the Eastern Conference final, game six between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Rangers. Uh, Tampa Bay was coming into the game with the 3-2 series lead. Um, you know, basically looked ready and poised to uh to you know advance to the Stanley Cup final and they did um so we're going to talk about that game first uh Andrew do you have any thoughts overall about the game we're gonna we're gonna dig deep here in this segment uh talk more about the Rangers than the Lightning because we're going to talk more about the Lightning uh in the next segment because they made it to the Stanley Cup final but the score was 2-1 yet again uh the score was 2-1 Lightning at the end of the night uh, what did you think of the game? Um, how'd it go for you? Uh, one thing about the game stood out to me more than anything else, and that was once the Rangers tied it up, when Frank Vetrano scored on the power play, it took Tampa Bay 21 seconds yep. to destroy any hope that they had. Uh, Steven Stamko scores both games in, or both goals in game six. You know, Epic leader moment for him. Uh, another great performance from Andre Vasilevsky, but it's so Tampa Bay lightning that the moment that you think that you have them or that you might have a chance, they just take it away immediately. You know, only three goals are scored in this game total. It's a game where both goaltenders are phenomenal. And the one moment that you get a little bit of hope, it takes a shift mm-hmm. and the Tampa Bay lightning steal it away from you. It's that kind of stuff that Tampa Bay does over and over again. It's the like last minute game winners they score at the end, like dying seconds of the third period. They've done multiple times in these playoffs, multiple times in this cup run, going all the way back to like 2015. They've done it. There's something about that team that is magical, that sucks all the air out of opponents. And I just, I can't help but respect the hell out of that team because it's not a one-off thing. They do it all the time. And mm-hmm. even when there's times where they're up against it or facing el- elimination, they find a way. Yes. Uh, that goal, that Stamco's goal, the second goal was, you know, a quintessential lightning goal. It was a championship level goal from Stamco's. And obviously they've been there before they've, you know, they've won back-to-back Stanley cups for a reason. Um, and, you know, it's, 
small mistake too on Igor Shosturkin's part, not being able to grab, like, you know, secure that glove stop because, you know, had he been able to grab it properly and, you know, clamp it down, uh, that funky bounce wouldn't have happened that went off of the glove, uh, off of Stamkos into the net. Um, it really was a true championship type level goal between, you know, just like taking the counter punch and punching right back, basically. Um, Tampa Bay just doesn't let you up off the mat when they're like this. It is it is oppressive uh, in what they do. And it was really a masterclass in game six. Um, and it was, you know, I mean, this was the typical Tampa Bay team that we've seen. And, you know, it hurts for the Rangers to go out like this. Um, but, you know, they took the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions to six games. I mean, you don't often you don't often get that. Like I think we talked about it last episode. That's more than the Panthers uh, gave them, and the Panthers were the best offensive team in the NHL this yeah. year. I I wonder honestly, like of course it hurts in the moment, but I don't know how much it actually hurts the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like this season has been such a groundswell of like excellent results for them. I mm-hmm. feel like they don't even need to be disappointed. Like uh, Gerard Gallant in his like postseason press conference was he was asked, was this a successful season for the Rangers? And he was like, yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And the only thing that I see that's really kind of up in the air for the Rangers is uh Cabo Caco scratched in the, in the deciding game and Gerard Gallant basically saying he had to go with the best lineup, which is wild considering that included like Ryan Reeves, <laughs> and not Capocaco when the kid line was their best line in that series. It it's a it's a real weird one to me that uh, that they decided to choose that way to go because it, it would be more understandable if Kako was struggling, mm-hmm. but he wasn't struggling. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like they were like, oh, we got to get a veteran in there, get some toughness in there. And you would think it did not work at all. And you would think that this would be the time to, you know, play the young guys because you make a good point. Uh, For the Rangers, they, this is a disappointing result, sure. But considering how many years ago was it when they had that letter that they were like, uh, it's rebuild time, this is going to be a process, Um, they are ahead of schedule for sure in their process overall. Um, and this would be the time to get the, you know, the young kids, the playoff experience and whatnot, because, you know, you're in the Eastern Conference final. You are, you know, staring down the barrel of the back to back Stanley Cup champions. This is the time. Like, I know you want to win the game, but like still, this is like, you know, you still want to, you know, give the kids the opportunity because this team is the, the Rangers are going to be good for a long time. Like yeah, that that letter was in 2018, by the way, February 2018. So it's only been four years. That seems like a lifetime ago, Andrew. It It does. Here, you want to have it feel like a real lifetime ago? Jeff Gordon was part of the the Rangers organization. Then yes, that's true. But that's only like a year ago that he left, right? Yeah. The other co-author of that letter was Glenn Sather. Oh jeez, that's like. I feel so old. It's the pandemic that did this. It's it's the pandemic. <laughs> the before that, times, right? <laughs> yes, the before times just seemed like a distant memory. Something I can only like. I I just I have brain fog over it completely. It's just you know it's it's not within reach anymore. Even though it really has only been like a handful of years, four years or whatever. Like it shouldn't be that bad, but it is. Uh, but yeah, this Rangers team is set up to be really good in the future. They are like I said ahead of schedule. Um, you know. Igor Shostakin, you know, dude, like what an incredible performance he's had in these playoffs. Like, I I know he wasn't able to best, you know, Andre Vasilevsky in the end, but like, I don't think anybody can. Um, I think he was the better goaltender in the series. mm -hmm. Uh, It's just that the Tampa Bay Lightning just had way more scoring ability. uh, It just wasn't enough. Such a ridiculous pace. Like at a certain point, what can we expect Igor Shosturkin to force the Rangers to overcome? Like when you look at expected goals from a natural stat trick, uh, the expected goal ratio was 16 and a half to 10 at mm-hmm. even strength in favor of the lightning. And it was 10, nine in favor of the lightning and actual goals. So Shosturkin faced uh, saved over six goals above expected at five on five alone. And, you know, uh, Vasilevsky saved only one. So like even if the save percentages are relatively similar in terms of like they uh, I think Shesterkin was about ninety four, 
and Vasilevsky was 93.2. Mm-hmm. Like the goaltending performance was vastly superior on the Rangers side. No, no disrespect to Vasilevsky. It's just that Shesterkin put on a friggin' show. Yeah. You know, it, he was fantastic in this series and Vasilevsky was just good. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, the Rangers are going to be better than this if Shesterkin is able to maintain this level of performance. That is extremely scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because the last few games of this series were not great for the mm-hmm. Rangers. Like, as soon as the, the series moved to Tampa Bay, I believe the Rangers con- controlled like 32% of the, the scoring chances. Like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was that bad. So, I don't know. The Rangers are... A team, they're probably the worst team to ever make it this far in like the salary cap era or like the Corsi era, we'll say. But at the same time, there's enough stuff going right for them that I don't think they should necessarily be concerned. I think they should be happy with this and mm-hmm. look forward to a year, two years down the line. Yeah, and they can still change things. Like they can still oh, change course. things up and like like, you know, the the advanced numbers didn't look good for them over the course of the series, but you know, the series really changed when, you know, they let the lightning back in in game 3. They they had the chance to put them on the ropes and they just didn't. Uh, I know it was probably still going to be an uphill battle for them because as we've seen Tampa Bay is just an absolute monster and doesn't want to go down quietly at all. Uh, but they had a real chance there to, you know, take a, you know, you know, a stranglehold on the series and they just weren't able to do it. Uh, but the future is bright for this Rangers team. I mean, like they've got their young players. I mean, Adam Fox is going to be an incredible defenseman for years to come on this team. Like there, there's some real magic happening. I don't think, you know, Chris Kreider is going to maintain his level of incredible goal scoring acumen that he mm, had, not. <laughs> um, but the, the, this team can make some additions and can supplement that um, like, you know, supplement you know what they're probably going to lose uh because you know chris carter's probably still going to be a very good player i just don't think he's going to be able to hit what did he hit like he hit like 40 goals at least this year right i i don't think i'm making that up I, it was a ridiculous number for somebody his age um i mean they've still got panarin they've got like yeah they've got a really good core to this team they just need to make smart additions to you know basically just you know pump up their offensive push basically like That was like the big thing and a big thing that you uh, ragged on them, Andrew, in the playoffs overall is that they're just they just weren't getting a lot of quality chances. They were they were finishing on like they were getting the finish on things, but like uh, some of it seemed a little like it wasn't sustainable, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're they're riding high shooting percentages, which they did for most of the season. And Shusterkin was just incredible. The best goaltender in the league this year, Mm -hmm. one of the most valuable players in the league this year. Huge, huge for them. But uh, yeah, I think the biggest question for the New York Rangers going forward is, are their young players going to ascend to that next level in time for guys like Panarin and uh, Chris Kreider to still be effective? Mm -hmm. That's the big question, right? So will they? I don't know. But uh, I think it's probably less likely like I would see Kreider being maybe like a more of a role player by the time Mm -hmm. they're in their prime years for competing. But uh, Panarin, I think his, his drawback at even strength has been severe over the last couple of years. And I do worry about him a little bit. Do you think looking ahead towards next year, because you know, the metropolitan division um, has got, it's got some heavyweight teams at the top, but you know, there are a few in flux, like, you know, the Capitals and Penguins are still in flux. We're not sure where they're going to land at any given year. It could be, you know, they could continue to be really great or they could fall off. They're, they're, they continue to be in a weird area. But do you think the Rangers will, you know, could they win the Metropolitan Division? You've got teams like Carolina up there and uh, the Islanders if they bounce back. But the Islanders are playing at a bit of a disadvantage because... Barry Trotz isn't coming back. And, yep. you know, we know how good of a coach he was. I mean, for me, the main competition, you know, in the Metropolitan right now, just based on what we've seen from them in this postseason, is Carolina. So is there a chance that, you know, the Rangers are the best team in the Metro next year? With Chesterkin, yes. I think that's like the main thing. If he repeats this season next year and Lafreniere, Kako, and Heedle continue their, like, progress, if they become a legitimate, like, good second line next year as opposed to a good third line. Yeah. 
they could definitely overtake Carolina. Uh, but Carolina is the team that's proven the most uh, in the regular season, at least. And also, I, for whatever reason, we just can't write off the Penguins. I know. I know you we know? can't, but like they have to make that they're they're facing down decisions, Andrew. Like They it, are Malkin and Latang, both UFAs. Yeah, they're facing down decisions. I don't I don't know what this Penguins team is going to look like come the season starting, but just like another 10 Mark Donks. <laughs> You say that, but it, I feel like it has to end sometime for the Penguins. I will finish off this segment, though, with one more question to you, Andrew. If you had to make one move for the Rangers this offseason, what would you do? Because for me, it would be mm. to, you know, figure out how to add another, you know, piece that adds scoring. Because for me, like I said, the Kreider thing, I don't think he's going to be able to maintain that level of play. And that was a huge boost for this Rangers team. So I would go out and, you know look at the UFA market. I mean, like, I don't know if they could afford somebody like Johnny Goudreau, but like, you know, just the, that thought is interesting to me. Uh, but you know, if you could make one move on this Rangers team, uh, to, you know, set them up for, um, you know, another good season where they can compete and, you know, get to the Eastern conference final again, what would you do? I would let Ryan Strom go. I know that Rangers fans like him and he's fit in well there. And I would sign Nazem Kadri. Ooh, that is a spicy move. I am so here for it. Like, I, yeah, I mean, it, we talked about, you know, the coaching market being a being a big one. But the free agent market, I don't think is going to be much of a slouch either. And just no, there's some big general. names. Yeah. So this is going to be a fun summer. It's also going to be a shorter summer, too, because I believe free agency starts what, like July 13th or 14th. So basically in a month from now. So, like, it's going to be a bit of a shorter offseason by a couple of weeks than we're used to. So. Yeah, um, but we're going to end it there. Uh, we said our goodbyes to the Rangers. Um, overall, fun team in the playoffs. I know that they probably hit higher than they were expected to based on the numbers, but, you know, give them credit where it's due. They, you know, they played some really good hockey and were able to eliminate some good hockey teams in the process. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with falling to the Tampa Bay Lightning because who hasn't at this point, really? <laughs> no kidding. I know. Uh, but speaking of the Lightning, we are going to preview coming up next. We are previewing the Stanley Cup final between, like I said, the Lightning and the Avalanche. And is this Stanley Cup final the best one we've had in, I don't know, nearly a decade now? We'll be talking about that coming up. Right after this. Don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top? So good. What if I told you that you can have all that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? You're in luck. These caramel brownies bars are available at Built.com right now. And you got to act fast because they're a fan favorite. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. Plus, the macros are unreal. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. I would replace a regular brownie with Built's Caramel Brownie Bar in a heartbeat. The best part, Caramel Brownie Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Like, for real. With Built's, you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy. You can have both. And all of Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons that you should try Built Bars. But for now, let's just say that Caramel Brownie will rock your world. That's not an understatement. With Built Tasty is the new healthy. Go to Built's.com and you get your box of Caramel Brownie Bars now. So go to Built's.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built's.com. We have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Take our audience survey. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. All right, Andrew. So, the Stanley Cup final is here. Wow. It, it, the playoffs just go by so fast every year. Like, and I just want them to continue forever. But like, it's wild how, I mean, they did start on, I believe, May 1st. So it has gone by pretty quickly, honestly. We've gotten some really good hockey, some really bad hockey. But this one, this one, Andrew, I believe this is this series isn't going to disappoint us. I don't think it can. I really no. hope it doesn't. Uh, it is the Colorado Avalanche coming out of the West versus the Tampa Bay Lightning coming out of the East. Oh boy. What a this series has the potential to be 
one of the best in ages. And that's not to take away from teams like, you know, the Dallas Stars, the Montreal Canadiens, um, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights when they were there. But the Cinderella teams never put up the fight at the end that you expect, right? Like, you have a final that's literally the two best teams in the league. You know what I mean? It's not Mm -hmm. actually that common. And this feels like a final that is the two best teams in the league. Yes. And that is something to be excited be excited for because, my God, are these two teams fun, exciting, kind of what I want the future of hockey to be, if I'm being honest. Um, like, yes, Cinderella stories are great, fun, like, they make great narratives. But in actuality, when you get to the Stanley Cup final, it doesn't often produce results. I can't what would be the last time a team upset in the Stanley Cup final? I'm, I I don't really... Boston over Vancouver in 2011 is the one that mm. sticks out to me. Boston, good team, not a great team uh, to win the Stanley Cup final. Uh, probably should have gone out in the first round. Would yep. have if Zdeno Chara actually got reprimanded for attempting to murder Max Pacioretty. Uh, Vancouver absolute juggernaut of a team was a team that should have had a dynasty mm-hmm. finally got over the hump that was Chicago and then just ran out of gas at the end. Too many players injured. That I think is a bit of an upset, but you're right, Mary. Usually it's not an upset. Yeah, you it, it isn't. And like, like I said, makes for great stories, but reality doesn't often turn out that way. And it's taken. Us I thought lot. you were going to was- do the reality is often disappointing. Reality is often disappointing. Andrew that too. Um, but I mean, what you said, 2011, right? So that's over a decade now yep. that, you know, we've had, you know, an upset in the Stanley Cup final in terms of just like, I guess, more of the Cinderella story. Um, but man, like this series is going to rock. And I, I truly believe that with my whole heart or else I'm going to be very sad, more sad than I was <laughs> at any point in these playoffs, because these are two s- such incredible fun teams. Um Offense can score almost at will, uh, it seems. Either you, you know, through the Avalanche, just have sheer talent across the board in terms of what they can provide offensively and just crazy skill. I mean, Kale McCarr, just one of the probably like, I was going to say the most talented player out of all of these, but you know, you've got Andre Vasilevsky on the other side and we know how talented he is, but like offensively, he's probably the most creatively like gifted player here in, you know, this uh, like this matchup, but then, you know, the lightning, even though like they, they have the big name, sure. But a lot of their scoring can occasionally come from the depth guys. Like, you know, that's why they, that's, that's how they built their current Stanley cup dynasty as it were. Um, is on the back of their, you know, you know, grinding lines. And, you know, Stamkos did have two the two goals in game six that sent them to the Stanley Cup final. But, like, a lot of Tampa Bay's, I don't want to say they're more blue-collar because that feels weird to say, but, like, you know, that they, they get production from a lot of different places and whatnot. And, you know, so there's that. But for me, the key to this series is going to be in net because you've got Andre Vasilevsky, we talked all about his praises all the time. Incredible goaltender, just does not lose in important games. Um, absolutely just a wall of force out there. Versus, is Darcy Kemper even back? No, I think it's going to be Pavel Francouz, if or Francouz. If Kemper was back, I'm not even sure he would start. That's the crazy yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point because... He hasn't uh, been good. He hasn't been good. It's It's been a while since we've talked about the Avalanche because, you know, they swept the Oilers in the Western Conference Finals. So, you know, they've kind of been a little bit out of our minds uh, over the past handful of episodes. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. Darcy Kemper wasn't playing great. Uh, so it's now Franco's net. But, you know, that is a goalie matchup that you are taking Andre Vasilevsky 10 times out of 10. Yes, no matter who's in net. For, no matter for who is in net. I mean, I feel like that's potentially where this series could go from an absolute classic to crap. If mm-hmm. Vasilevsky puts on a show and Francis or Kemper are not great, then it could be over quickly and kind of suck. Yeah, that is that. That's for me is the big X factor overall. I'd like to think that, you know, you said that Andre Vasilevsky was good, but, you know, not great completely in the Eastern Conference final. Uh, Shesterkin bested him in terms of just like 
the advanced analytics, even though Vasilevsky was the game, like, you know, was the series winner by the end of it all. Um, so, you know, there is hope that like, you know, I'd like to think that the series will go back and forth at the beginning. Like we're going to see, you know, back and forth. One team wins one game. The next team wins the, the other game. Like it's, I think it'll go back and forth. Um, we're going to do predictions. Uh, I'm not going to spoil them on just yet because I think we have a little bit more to talk about in this topic, but that's, I see it going back and forth before, you know, one team, I think, you know, being able to, you know, emerge and be able to put the foot down. Um, but what are you looking forward to most, Andrew, about the series? Because, you know, I talked about what I was looking forward to in terms of just like the incredible goal scoring, uh, the possibility for, you know, uh, a goaltender to take over the series. I know that may not be as exciting, but, you know, it's fun in, you know, a game or two to see that. But for me, it's the, you know, incredible creativity and speed and skill we're going to see. But what are you looking forward to most here? I'm just looking forward to seeing what kind of style of hockey wins out, right? Mm-hmm. Are, with if Braden Point is back, do the Tampa Bay Lightning continue to play this like lock it down style because it's been so successful for them? Or do they open it up a little bit and risk Colorado bringing like their intense rush offense? Or can can Tampa Bay Lightning's amazing defensive core stand up to that uh, amazing rush offense from the Colorado Avalanche? Do the Lightning finally show signs of being tired like they did in the first round? Because that hasn't, hasn't really showed Mm-hmm. Since then, they got that break after the second round. Seems like everybody's back up to where they're supposed to be. What I'm impressed about with the Lightning is that they still want it so bad. Yeah. You know, like we saw it with, with the Washington Capitals. They won once and it took like three years for them to really care again. Like even now, I don't know if they give that much of a crap. <laughs> like I don't want to question the, no, like the yeah. uh, commitment of a bunch of professional athletes, but Compared to when they won, they don't seem to be pushing that hard. Whereas the Lightning, mm-hmm. you look at their reaction after Stamco scored the second goal in game six, and this team wants so badly to win again. And Steven Stamkos had a quote. Uh, he said, I think it's just belief in ourselves and belief in the work you put in. But trust is the word. We trust every guy that goes over those boards to do his job. Whether you score a goal or not, it's the little things that you do. It's the defending. It's the block shots. It's the sacrifice. It's the it's not complaining about your role. It's going out and playing as hard as you can for the guy that sits beside you in the locker room. That's why this group is so special. We don't know what's going to happen here over the next. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen here over the next ten to fourteen days, but we know that we're going to give it our all. It's gotten us this far again. It's just a special true, a special group, and a treat to be a part of it. Like, how can you not believe mm-hmm. if you're on the Tampa Bay Lightning? I'm, I think I figured out the difference between a team like the Lightning and the Capitals. You know what happened to the Capitals after they won their Stanley Cup? They fired Barry Trotz or got rid of Barry Trotz. Yeah, Barry Trotz left. You know what yeah. uh, the Lightning have really done uh, over the course of their Stanley Cup, uh, you know, wins here? They kept, kept the a, core together. They've kept a lot of the same people together. Yep. Thank you, Andrew, Even- for completely, you know, I, to be fair, I kind of led you there, but like, you know, I wanted to have my one little smart Sorry. moment of being like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. I thought you were setting me up. I thought you were setting but, me up. But I mean, I was. I was basically setting you up. But yeah, that's the way I see it is, you know, the, the Capitals kind of dismantled what they had. Barry Trotz left. um, The Capitals went all in to win their one. Mm -hmm. And the Tampa Bay Lightning under Iserman and Brisebois have built a team to compete long term. Yes. And like, would they have been happy at the end of the day with one cup? Probably. It's so difficult to win one cup. But now they're on the verge of three. Mm -hmm. You know, and they made the finals in 2015. Uh, They made the Eastern Conference finals, I think, in 2018. I think that was they lost against the Capitals speaking of them. So like this is a team that has been close a few times before they finally won it. And now like the winning just never stops. And I still think looking at the lightning over the last two years that they did not try in a regular season. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, they th- these guys are just too talented. And like I, I get, you know, like when you can, you know, put 80 percent of your effort and continue to get into the playoffs. And I'm just ballparking a percentage, obviously. But when you can put like 80% of your effort into, you know, getting into the playoffs, and then you've got, you know, a, and other teams are putting, giving 100% of their all uh, because, you know, they're not as talented, they're not as tight-knit, their system isn't as good. And then, you know, you get to the playoffs and you can, you know, 
get basically an additional 20% uh, when other teams are, you know, scrambling to to do so because the playoffs, uh, everybody's injured in the playoffs. It is toughest time of the year to play hockey. Uh, but when you're a team like the Lightning, that can just be like, all right, time to, you know, actually, you know, put in 100% of our effort. Not Like I said, I'm ballparking these numbers, but this kind of feels like what the Lightning do. Like they're just able, they're so talented, like, you know, at their court and their system is so good that they don't have to always, you know, give it 100% every night because they believe in themselves so much that they know they're going to be good enough to get in the playoffs. And then they realize, oh, we're in the playoffs. We can, we believe in each other so much that we can, you know, continue to play like you know actually like play it's i don't want to make an anime reference here but it's like in naruto there is a character where he he's playing with weights on basically um and he takes them off and uh younger yes like super fast and you know in, incredible uh, if you're a naruto fan you you know what i'm talking about i'm trying not to you know get in, too into the weeds here for andrew but the metaphor stands like you know if you can you know be competent enough when you've got your weights on and then what happens when you take them off yeah that's what i know one one thing about naruto and that is the naruto run and i only know about it because do you remember a couple years ago when there was that stupid meme online about like crashing area 51 and everyone naruto running (laughs) into it that's why i know what it is (laughs) but uh yeah also that's how miles runs he puts his arms (laughs) behind his back and runs and yeah i mean it's very much all the time stresses me out it's very much a kid thing, but regardless, the the lightning here just have something that no other team has, and it's what you're right. It's wild how much they want to win still to this day. I don't think it's because of the like you know their Stanley Cups and the pandemic were fraudulent or whatever. That 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 doesn't matter. I know people still bring about that argument that like their their Stanley Cup wins were you know not real. They had asterisks on them. They don't. The the Lightning have always been a really good team. You know, what'd you say? The the 2015, what they were in the the Stanley Cup final, right? Um, yeah, they've just been they've been sniffing around for a long time, and you know they've gotten to conference finals before and were never able to make it over the hump. But then, I mean, like they they had a historic NHL regular season that got bounced by the Colorado, not Colorado Avalanche, the uh, Columbus, Columbus Blue, Blue Jackets. Jackets. Yeah, they, in, in a sweep. Um, that was the turning point. But they had a historic regular season before. And they could have panicked. Like yeah, a lot of teams would have panicked and done something stupid and they didn't. And, you know, you know, who was really impressive? Like, I don't want to get we're we've kind of ignored the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I was going to say we need to move it back to the Avalanche, but, you know, finish your we point do. here and we'll talk but to them. One of the players who's impressed me so much about, from the Lightning is Andre Palat, who's mm-hmm. going to be an unrestricted free agent this summer, is very unlikely to be back with the Lightning. And he is given everything possible. I think he was lightning's best player in the conference final there. He was just absolutely incredible, constantly making the difference late in games. He's, he's a guy, he's 31 years old. We all like everyone knows about Andre Palat. And I feel like for a time he was well rated. And then, you know, Kucherov ascended point came in. And now I feel like Palat is again, underrated and we Mm -hmm. forget how great a player this guy is, but he's a point of game player in the playoffs. He ended that series with what? Five, six, seven points. The last four games that the lightning mm-hmm. won. Like that's incredible. Yes, it is. And you know, underrating him is probably to your detriment because you know, he's, he's shown up in these playoffs and you know, it's been, it's been an absolute treat to watch, but yeah. we're going to I guess the talk question about is, who is, the avalanches uh andre platt mm, i'd say yeah. nikushkin yeah that's a good point he also has been playing really well uh like i said we're going to shift to the avalanche here because it feels like we've uh you know neglected to talk about them uh but sure they may be down nazim Kadri, they may be down darcy kemper but that one might be a blessing in disguise because kemper wasn't playing his best hockey in this playoffs but you know Francois. Uh, you know, has been playing seemingly better. So that could at least be a blessing in disguise for this Avalanche team, but they still have incredible players. I mean, like I said, Kale McCarr, probably the most gifted creativity, like has the most like gifted creativity in these playoffs. Everything he does is just incredible. That, that, you know, video clip of him, you know, 
taking like you know taking the puck away from mcdavid is going to live in my mind rent free forever because like you don't often get players like that and for him to do that defensively but then also be incredible offensively there's not a player like that in the nhl really and he is just mind-blowing in what he's able to do but you know you've got the stars you've got nathan mckinnon and gabriel landis also you know that put some respect on their names they're really good players they're really really good players um, and they're going to be just as hungry as the Lightning, if not more so, because, you know, this Lightning squad hasn't won, in general, this Lightning squad hasn't won a Stanley Cup, but when was the last time they were they were even in the Stanley Cup? Like You mean the Avalanche? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, long time. Yeah. 2001. Yeah. So more than 20 years ago. Yeah. So this Which... team is going to be hungry uh, in in a way that, it's it's two different types of hungers. The you know, the lightning want to keep, you know, their their dynasty going. Um, yeah, the lightning the, almost are like a quiet confidence that they know they can do it. Yes, and the avalanche are going to be all fire, fire right? a little bit more desperation, I suppose. Like yeah. they're so confident, like but it's it's different. It's different types of confidence for these two teams because the lightning are the insurmountable mountain here. Um, and the, the final boss. Yeah, the you final said, boss. You said it all. Yeah, playoffs I said it, long, Mary. I said it all the along. They're the final boss, and the Avalanche are, you know, your typical JRPG party by the end of the video, the video game. I'm thinking, you know, your but typical will they Final use Fantasy all their elixirs? Yes, but I'm thinking of your typical Final Fantasy sevens. Uh, you know, at the you know facing down Sephiroth at the you know very end of the game. Uh, you know, a little bit broken a little bit battered and bruised missing a core member of their team uh, but in the end they're able to prevail um and you know it takes takes a whole you know lot out of them to do so but they're able to do it but that's that's for me how i'm looking at the series is you know the final boss of you know your typical jrpg where your 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 main hero like your main team of people you know is a bit battered and bruised um but you know they're still there and they're determined to you know flip things in their favor and you know take back what is theirs and stuff like that uh but no more speaking in metaphors uh because i want to at least you know highlight a few more players on this avalanche team you said it andrew and valerie nakushian has been you know really really good uh in the you know last couple of series um he's definitely a player to watch for sure is there anybody else that you think you know, could step up because they're they're missing Nazem Kadri. That's a huge blow to this team's identity. Is there anybody else you think could step into that role and, you know, continue, you know, to bring this Avalanche team along? Yeah, I mean, highly biased here, but I think Arturi Lekkinen has been phenomenal for, for mm-hmm. the Colorado Avalanche. He's been just everything they could possibly ask for. How many players have scored two straight overtime series winners to send their team to the Stanley Cup final? Like mm-hmm. that's pretty damn cool. I know, and right? Then one guy who has been really impressing me, he's kind of a guy that every time I see his name, I'm like, still on the avalanche, eh? Is uh, JT Comfer. I think yeah. he's been great in these playoffs. He's scored yeah. at key moments in big games. He's really stepped up while Kadri's been out with an injury, can play center. So that's a guy that I look at as a possible key to this series for Colorado. See if he can, you know, add some secondary or tertiary scoring behind the McKinnon line. They're such a good team. There's so many players you could pick out. I mean, everybody knows uh, McKinnon, McCarr, Landis Gog, Rantanen. I feel like Rantanen has a lot more in him. He hasn't been that great in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a player, you know, to be able to step up if, you know, you know, you got to give it your all in the Stanley Cup final. You can't leave anything out on the table. And, you know, that's a player that, you know, you, you'd hope that, you know, takes that next step and, you know, gives it everything. Yeah, I say he done. hasn't been that good, but he's got 17 points in 14 games. So maybe I should just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Listen. I just I haven't thought that he's been amazing. That's all. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, JT Comfer, I think, is uh, a very good uh, guy to like circle on your fantasy lineups if you're making one. Also, mm-hmm. Bowen Byram has yeah. been incredible. I, mm-hmm. He's put up a half point a game. He hasn't scored yet. I would not be surprised if Bowen Byram scores a gigantic goal just because it would also be such a fantastic story with the yeah. garbage he's gone through with the head injuries. Mm-hmm. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. All right. We're going to end off this segment with predictions. I think I kind of spoiled mine a little bit in where I said the series is going to go back and forth to start. And the one team is going to, you know, come away with it at the end. I think, you know, you'll get, you know, the Avalanche win one game, Lightning win one game, Avalanche win one game, Lightning win one game. Then the Lightning win the last two and the Lightning 
three-peat the Stanley Cup champions in six games. That is my prediction. Um, I just think that I I hope it is a fun, competitive series. And I, you know, I'm I'm happy either way with where the series goes. I, I will not be mad if the Lightning three-peat or if the Avalanche are able to upset the final boss in the end and, you know, claim their prize and, you know, turn the narrative on its head and save the world, as it were, in JRPG terms. Uh, and, you know, go home, uh, you know, battered and bruised, but not broken. But I that is that is my prediction. The Lightning's magic is just, for me, too much to bear. Um, and key injuries on the part of the Avalanche, for me, um, might be the big difference. I know that, you know, the Lightning have injuries of their own, but Braden Point seems to maybe be coming back, even if he's not 100% healthy. Um, they're at least getting him back, and Nazem Kadri is a big beating heart of this Avalanche team, and his presence will be missed, and it is a shame that he is not there, because I really think that the series could be, could, you know, if he was there, I think the series could have gone seven, and um, maybe been the Avalanches to take, but for me, I think it's just a little bit too much, but what do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, Kadri's skating, so he could. Pl- he's not yet ruled out for game one. He could play in this right. series, so that's a, a big deal for the Avalanche. I think this series ends in six and the Avalanche take it. And my Ooh. main reason why is, I don't know if you saw this tweet from Dmitry Filipovich oh, almost a yeah. week ago now, but when Devon Taves or Devon Taves and Kale McCarr are both in the lineup, the Colorado Avalanche this season are 63-9-6. and six. And that is ridiculous. It's insane. And I think it might be insurmountable. As great as the Lightning are, I think this Colorado Avalanche team has been knocking on the door for so long. They are the Lightning of 2020. And because Kadri will likely be leaving in the offseason, because they have some salary cap issues to deal with, because Nathan McKinnon needs a new contract, this is not necessarily the last kick at the can, but it is the last kick for a lot of this core. So I think the, the Avalanche will want this just a hair more mm-hmm. than the Lightning want the three-peat. All right. I'm I'm so here for this. Like like I said, I don't think you're going to be mad either way with the way the series goes, right? But like, I think both of us just want good, fun, exciting hockey. Uh that's worthy of a Stanley Cup final because like like I said, this should be the most exciting Stanley Cup final we've had in years. And we should enjoy it because I don't know, it, it doesn't come around very often. Uh we don't often get best on best, and this truly is a best on best for the Stanley Cup final. But Coming up next, speaking of best on best, we are going to have a little bit of a fun discussion about some of the hockey teams in the past that we would quantify as the greatest of all time and where the Lightning fit in that conversation because I think it's valid to talk about them in that case because, God, look at what they've done so far uh, in their most recent history. But that'll be coming up right after this. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, Andrew. So, this is a topic you brought up, uh, because, you know, there's not a lot to talk about uh, in this time of year. The you know, Stanley Cup final hasn't started yet. Uh, the coaching search is still at a standstill. There's no free agency stuff to talk about. You know, no trades to talk about. Nothing to talk about in the hockey world. So it's time to debate who the goats are, Andrew. So, you know, this was your topic. So, you know, I think you should lead us into this one. Well, I mean, there were things that happened while there was no hockey going on. Sure. But they're kind of more scandalous than the, than anything. And I mean, here, well. Hockey players cheat. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is something that I'm thinking about more and more while watching this lightning team. And it's in, you have to put everything in context, right? And mm. this lightning team has played, in my opinion, it was the toughest back to back of all time to do it in the pandemic, to do the first one without fans at their backs, you know, uh, to have a short summer to come back and do it again next year, to have another short summer, in another compressed season to come back and do it again this year. In my opinion, they are now, if they get this done, even if they don't really, 
like if they lose in seven, they have put themselves into the same category for me as the 1980s Islanders and the 1970s and 1960s Montreal Canadiens. The Montreal Canadiens that won five in a row and four in a row and the Lightning that won four in a row. They're not Lightning, uh, the Islanders. Mm-hmm. The Islanders are like, they would be the most impressive team overall just because they have 19 straight series wins. Like people forget they went to the Stanley Cup final the following year as well. Mm-hmm. They almost won five before the Oilers went past them. But uh, the thing is, 80s hockey and mm-hmm. 70s hockey and even 60s hockey, the parody was not the same. No. So I think we have to contextualize what the Lightning are doing here with the salary cap with the way hockey has changed with how much more of a grind it is today than it was back then. And like, yeah, the players have better amenities. Sure. But it's just way harder to win now than it was back then. No offense to those teams. They still did it. But to me, this lightning team is one of the greatest teams of all time. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And we, like I said, we talked a lot about the lightning and I don't want to make this like, you know, completely lightning centric. I am going to ask though, are there any teams in the modern era that could potentially, you know, at least be in the conversation? I don't think anybody is like the lightning at all in the modern era. We know that, um, that they are the pinnacle of the Stanley cup era, but is there any other team? I, I hate to give props to the Chicago Blackhawks, but they are at least they a were team great. that is, you know, in that contention because you know they won in 2010 didn't win for the next two years but then won in 2013 and then won in 2015 so you know they've that's what one two three four five six uh so three in six years isn't anything to be you know sneezed at either and like yeah. i said i hate to give props to them because we know that the horrible things that they've done in their organization um should not be forgotten it needs to be talked about continuously because you know that shouldn't be forgotten and we don't want it to happen ever again in the nhl um and it is tough to give props to that team overall but on the ice they were a really dominant team uh you know taves and kane um are an incredible duo and you know we've, we've talked about you know uh, Kane before and stuff like that. It is, it's so hard to talk about this team with the amount of things that are, you know, in their history. Um, like I said, it's hard to give them props, but on the ice, winning three Stanley Cups in six years is at least, you know, puts them in contention for, you know, some of the greatest hockey teams of all time because of what they were able to accomplish. Over the years, like it's not nearly as, as impressive as the lightning because, you know, they didn't go back to back. There were, you know, years like they, they weren't able to, you know, get that back to back. But it's still a testament to their longevity as, you know, their core overall that they were able to make the runs that they did in the way that they did. Yeah, I think it depends on what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think for most people, when you use the word dynasty, it has to be consecutive. Mm-hmm. But in the salary cap era, I just feel like it's so much more difficult to win multiple cups in a row that you could probably extend the word dynasty to the Blackhawks. I think dynasty starts with three cup wins, but if you're looking at like the totality of what one team was able to do over like one generation of players kind of thing, then you could compare Chicago to some other teams and they're impressive, but I don't know if they're as impressive. Like I don't think they're the most impressive team in the league over mm-hmm. that time, right? Well, over that specific time where they were winning cups, yes, they were the best team in the league. But if we're to compare in the salary cap era, which teams were the best overall, I think if you just simply look at like playoff wins over time, mm-hmm. it's the Penguins. Yeah. Uh, they, were, they were the best team in the salary cap era overall. If you were to compare beyond that and look at like what what, what were the best most dominant teams while they had that certain set of that core together, you could go back a little further to the you know like the Waugh, Forsberg, uh, Sakic, Avalanche. You could look at the Iserman, Fedorov, Lidstrom, Detroit Red Wings, which then transitioned into the Zetterberg, Datsuk, Lidstrom, Red Wings. Like the Lidstrom era yeah. for Detroit is unarguably one of the greatest of all time. I mean, right? how many, like, how many years did they make the playoffs consecutively? Like, I think it, it was, was like 25 or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, it, that's hard to do. Like, I, I know that, you know, eras in hockey were changing and stuff like that back then, but you know, to, you know, have that much success to get into the playoffs, it, 
it's no small feat. And it was a big deal when that streak was broken because yeah. uh, they had such a good core of players. Like they weren't mediocre. They were good no. enough to make the playoffs. And it is tough to be that good for that long to make the playoffs in a league like the NHL, where it feels like, you know, being mediocre is easy to do. Like, and it's, it's very just... easy to screw up even when you're on yes. top, right? Like we, we saw Chicago, right? They yeah. screwed up constantly and they were able to kind of maintain it because their core players stayed together, but, and were cheap, you know, they won early, mm-hmm. which I think is very, very important, which kind of makes what the Penguins did so impressive to win so late in the game mm-hmm. with their core, but went back to back late in the game. But it, like looking back at the entire, uh, salary cap era you know which team actually has the best winning percentage what? the tampa bay lightning yeah that the tampa is bay not, lightning and that, that doesn't even include nice. their stanley cup that they won right before right because mm-hmm. they won in 2004 mm-hmm. against calgary so if we extend it back there let's see tampa bay is now if we go back to 2003 2004 Nobody has as many wins in the playoffs as Tampa Bay, 112. Their playoff winning percentage is 60.5%. The next best is Chicago at 58.4. So they are the best team of this era. Yeah. I do want to mention the Penguins again once more before we end this off. I know that was a great segue to end it. But yeah, you make a good point about the Penguins too because, you know, they won in 2009 and then, you know, they had their, they had a dip. They, they, they looked directionless in what they wanted to do. They tried to surround, you know, Sidney Crosby with guys that just didn't work. They tried to, you know, do that thing where they, you know, let's let's protect Sidney Crosby with, you know, goons and stuff instead of, you know, trying to, you know, build a team with skill. And once they realized they didn't have to do that, you know, once they realized that their talent was good enough to overcome anything else, really, even with all the concussions and stuff to Crosby, which, you know, also was a big factor in why those years were so middling or, you know, more difficult overall for the Penguins, they were able to, you know, be like, hey, let's surround our team with talent. And, you know, they got a good coach, a really good coach in uh, Mike Sullivan. Um, Obviously, like, it's so hard to tell, like, say that he's underrated, but he he always seems to, you know, be underrated in terms of, like, you know, the Jack Adams because he does so much often with so little, when especially when the team gets injured so often. Uh, but I at least wanted to mention the Penguins a little bit here because like, you know, for they kept their core together overall for a long time um, and were able to win at the be- near the beginning, like basically the beginning of their core and, you know, more towards the end of it. So like it just overall, that was, you know, really good stuff from the Penguins. But yes, the, the numbers do not lie here. The Lightning, the reason why we talk so much about the Lightning is because they just constantly had success at, you know, across all levels of the sport. And, you know, from different eras of hockey to now, um, it has just been constant in their, you know, success. To to do that over such a long period of time is, you don't often see that, especially in a league like hockey where, you know, parity is such a big thing in this league overall in terms of just like, you know, I, I know it may just be like perceived parity or whatever, but like, there's a reason we keep talking about how, you know, Cinderella stories or whatever keep making the Stanley Cup final because it happens more often than you think. It's not like the NBA where, you know, certain teams are in the NBA finals more often than not. The, you know, it's, it's, it feels like every team in the NBA could be like a Tampa Bay Lightning. Not every team, but like the major competitors. Like there's more Tampa Bay Lightnings in the NBA than there are in the NHL. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think that's it, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Super teams, exactly. And, you know, there's a lot more, I think, to be said about that. But I'm not the biggest basketball person overall. So I'm probably not the one to discuss that. But we're going to wrap the hockey talk here. And we're going to end this episode with our pop culture talk, uh, as we always do. So uh, stay tuned for that, because that will be coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have access, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. 
rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliable, though, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us boxes that they know we sent you? Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. All right, Andrew. So, pop culture segment. Um, I did a little bit of pop culture this weekend. Uh, I started to watch the first episode of Miss Marvel. I didn't get through it. Uh, but I enjoyed what I have seen so far. Um, it's very cute. You were right in that it has like a very Into the Spider-Verse aesthetic going on with you know all the like comic book stuff which is really cool to see like the scene uh at the beginning with the graffiti on the wall like as she's talking and bike riding the graffiti morphing to be what she's talking about was really cool um the big thing for me though is i watched the tony awards on sunday because you know i'm a big musical theater person i've talked about it before uh and i love the tony awards over the past couple of years the tony awards have you know been weird because you know since the pandemic the broad uh, Broadway's shut down was shut down for a bit uh, so it's been a weird couple of years for Broadway but this year it was um, the first year in a handful uh, where you know you've had a full you know Broadway you know selection to choose from and stuff like that um, and it was fun and I've mentioned her before Ariana DeBose um, actress from the West Side Story uh, movie that came out in December who played Anita was the host she is incredibly charming uh, so like just what a show that she performed, like, you know, as the host overall. Uh, just, I just love musical theater. It's basically where I'm going with this. Um, obviously, if you're a musical theater person, you will have also probably watched the Tonys. Um, it's great stuff. I, I just really love musical theater, and I'm glad that the Tonys overall are, um, are back with us because I've always thought that they put on the best show overall of the, you know, major award shows because they're put on by people who actually enjoy the craft that they do. Um, and there's a lot of love poured into musical theater overall. And I just think, you know, the performances are incredible. Um, you know, the people that highlight are, you know, way more diverse than you have in Hollywood. Um, so yeah, musical theater is great. Obviously it's not perfect. Uh, there's always work to be done, but, uh, it's just, I love the Tonys. The Tony season is great. It always cores, cores, coincides with my birthday. Uh, so, you know, it's just a great time of year. Great time of year. But what about you, Andrew? What have you done uh, over the weekend? I'll be honest, not a lot. All right. <laughs> Played with a lot of bubbles over the weekend. There, there was not <laughs> that much uh, TV viewing. By the time things uh, cooled down and the kids were asleep, we uh, pretty much were ready to go to bed as well. We watched... <laughs> A couple episodes of this year's Drag Race, which has been the best season in a very, very long time and uh, a very nice uh, way to end the day, we'll say. But uh, overall, had not uh, gotten much of a chance to view much this well, year. That's all good. Uh, it's a busy time. It's a busy time for us both. Um, but it is at least, you know, there's, there's a lot of good pop culture coming Um some that are out now. Um, I've been hearing a lot of good things about a Netflix show. I think it's called First Kill or something like that. I don't want to mess that up. Uh, it's actually, uh, you know, show run like from like an author that I actually really like, V.E. Schwab, who does, you know, a lot of fantasy books and stuff like that. It was from a short story that she did. Um, I've heard good things about it. And I kind of want to check it out. Um, you know, if any of our listeners and or watchers have watched it. Let me know because, you know, I'm always looking for things uh, to more people to sell me on things. Uh, but, yeah, it just seems like there's just a lot of really good pop culture. There was a lot of cool video game news in the last week, too. Uh, there'll be more video game news likely this week uh, because there's going to be some sort of Final Fantasy VII event on Thursday where we might get uh, the second part of Final Fantasy VII Remake announced. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, so this is just a lot of good stuff. This time of year, like I said, is always, you know, a exciting time of year um, because it used to be in the before times uh, you had stuff like, like I said, like the Tonys E3, which is, you know, a big video game conference doesn't really exist anymore in part, thanks to the pandemic in part, thanks to other things uh, that used to coincide around this year, but now there's, you know, more sporadic video game announcements, but there's still stuff coming out uh, this year. And of course the Stanley cup final. So I always thought this time around my birthday is one of the more fun times of the year. And this year it hasn't really disappointed. Things are getting back to normal a little bit more, um, so it's just been nice to see 
the return of some sort of normalcy because I have missed uh, the last couple of years when my birthday would be would you know have some really exciting stuff in sports and in entertainment and stuff like that because you know it's nice it's just nice to be excited about stuff but um, we're going to end it there though uh, because that is all the time we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show it's part of the Locked On Podcast Network make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and YouTube and rate review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me and Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We'll be back on Friday with some more puck talk, but now make your second listen locked on NHL. From the first round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>